are starting a new series. And you know what? I'm so glad you picked today to be here, you know. Um, maybe some of you are like, I, you know, come sometimes, I don't other times. If you're watching online, I'm really sorry that you're not here right now because Sermon Snack Sundays are awesome, right? Yeah, and it's not every week. And honestly, if you try to figure it out when it's going to be, you'll never figure it out because this is how it happens. Oh, I should do Sermon Snacks this week. And that's what happens. Just ask Craig. That's what, that's 100%. That's what, so I don't have a rhyme or a reason or a plan. It's just when I'm feeling it, okay? So, and I never know what I'm going to get either. So anyway, I'm glad you're here to experience this this morning. We are starting a new series, and the series is called Living Generously or Open-Handed. Open-Handed Living Generously. And we're going to talk about money, Money, uh, let's, let's go the, uh, to Mark chapter 12, and today specifically, we're going to talk about empty hands, empty hands. Mark chapter 12, verse 41, sitting across from the offering box, he was observing how the crowd tossed money in for the collection. Many of the rich were making large contributions. One poor widow came up and put in two small coins, a measly two cents. Jesus called his disciples over and said, the truth is that this poor widow gave more to the collection than all the others put together. All the others gave what they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly. What she couldn't afford, she gave her all. The mite, also known as the leptin, was a Jewish coin and the smallest used in the New Testament time. At the time of, of Mark's writing, it was worth about 164th of a denarius. A denarius was a day's wage for the common worker. So in our terms, it would be about one-eighth of a cent. See, this is interesting because it hardly seems worth it, right? So she, the widow, she gets up that day. She uh, does her morning routine, maybe finishes her chores. Maybe she, she has kids or grandkids. I'm not sure of her situation. She finishes a few errands, and then she doesn't have a husband. She, she has to do all the errands herself. It's all on her, okay? So, and, and all alone so that she gets showered, she gets dressed in her nicest clothes, which probably isn't that nice because she's she's doesn't have much, but she puts on her nicest because she's going to the temple. And, and so she has to walk to get there, but we don't even know how long she had to walk to bring two tiny coins. I wonder what her thoughts consisted of that morning because there's two sides to every coin. Maybe this, maybe she knew there's going to be people watching. You know, that's what people did because they just they would stare at you as you put in your offering but this was a practice and a routine I would think since her husband was alive that that they used to do it together maybe then but now she does it alone so I wonder did she question herself should I even go alone like this is going to be so awkward everyone's going to look at me they're going to think about the fact that I'm a widow my, my clothes are old and and, and people are going to judge me they're going to feel sorry for me I don't want to be felt sorry for and, and maybe they won't say anything or they'll ignore me or maybe worse they will say something something really dumb I only have two pennies anyway it's so embarrassing Maybe 
I don't know. Maybe if I don't go, they won't even remember me, which maybe is better than seeing me the way I am. I don't know. I wonder, did that go through her mind before she left this morning? Did she wrestle with that? Or, or maybe it wasn't that side of the coin. Maybe it was this. Maybe she was like, it is a beautiful day, and it is my giving day. Today, I get to go to the temple, and I get to give my two pennies. And this is awesome because I did this before I met my husband, and we did it together when we were married. And now that he's gone, I get to do it alone. And it is my pleasure, and it is my joy to give. I don't care that I don't have much. I'm going to give it all. There's nothing to decide upon. I've already decided that this is what I do today. I give to the temple. And although my circumstances changed, my heart did not. So I am doing this today. I don't know. We don't know which side of the coin she landed on. But which side do we land on? Are we the widow with the wrestling or the widow with the resolve? Does our empty hands cause an empty heart or is it of no consequence to us? See, the reality is Jesus doesn't look even at the amount at all. He only looks at your heart. We've talked about heart a lot today already. This classic story of the widow, the widow's might, brings out a few interesting aspects. Number one, there's the spiritual beneath the physical, okay? Jesus wasn't quantifying the widow's offering against the other offerings. If you think that's what he was doing, just comparing, that's not what he was doing. He was trying to bring out what was behind the gift in her heart, beneath the service. It's like he took all the data that he had to speak truth of the situation, It wasn't to negate the role of the large gifts or the wealthy gifts, but it was to highlight what was unseen beneath the scene, that special, that exemplary value that the widow's offering and those like it, like yours or like mine. Number two, the value of sacrifice is not to be missed. See, when you can't give a lot because you don't have a lot, there's a feeling that can attach itself to you that is stealing your truth. It is a lie in your life. It's a feeling that causes you to identify as less of a contributor. Therefore, you feel like you hold less value than than one who has more to give. But when we stop to account for sacrifice, we debunk the lie we are believing and instead see the truth, the value of the gift that we are giving, regardless of the amount. Okay? Giving isn't about percentage of the church budget you support, but uh, the amount of your budget you give that will margin yourself so that you know you belong to God. If you hear what I'm saying. See, when God first instituted sacrifice, when it first came into effect, it was supposed to be something spiritual in our lives, like a depth of us given to him. But over time, sacrifice became a ritual. It became a ritual. It became a formality. It wasn't so much sacrifice as this is our time to do what we do. So here Jesus is re-explaining it to his disciples, the meaning of sacrifice once again, to bring them back to the place that they had left. Number three, public props for an otherwise insignificant action is brought out in this scripture. Jesus was willing to do a shout out for this woman. 
He was like, I got to bring this up right now. We're all watching anyway. Let's talk about it. See, sacrifice is intrinsically valuable. And giving to the church here as a way to sacrifice is a way that she was molding her heart. And we can mold our heart to the desires of God. It's like the first step in conforming your own desire for power and wealth and riches to the desires of God for his power and wealth and his riches in the earth. Number four, distracted by the shiny objects is not the way. This is what was happening here. The disciples were keeping an eye. They're like watching. They're talking. They're like looking for the big bags of gold that were going to be thrown here, the big coins. Like I can imagine the looks on their faces when a rich man would walk up and drop like these big gold coins. And it would clang loudly as it dropped into the treasury bowl. And they'd be like, oh, did you see that? Did you see? I wonder how much that was. That looked like this much. It sounded so loud. But Jesus highlights the widow's offering. And they, they look at him, and, and if you read along in the scripture and, and some other of uh, the gospels, it says, they're like, but look at this amazing temple. It wasn't built with offerings like two to- copper coins. See, when they said that, they weren't discounting the widow's offering. They just weren't seeing it for what it was. They were, they were seen as like, oh, that's so sweet. That's so sweet. That's so cute that she did that. But they're like, but these, look, look at the temple. Look at the stones. Look at how it was built. It wasn't built off that. They just weren't seeing her. They were missing the spiritual miracle that was occurring right in front of them because they failed to see anything deeper than the shiny stones which the temple was made of and the huge dollar amounts that was given by the wealthy. And number five, in the end, it's all gone. See, the fancy stones and big buildings are torn down. New ones come up. Money is here, then it's gone, then it's back. Kingdoms of earth fail. Power shifts to new hands. We know change is inevitable. Change is, is, is over and over and over. We're, we'll see it until one day, one sweet day, when we're all in heaven and we, we pass from this earth and we go on to glory, to eternal life. And, and then we'll have all the cool stones and, and all the amazing things that heaven is built from, all the pricey gold, all the kingdom, all the power, all the glory then each person will only have their heart. We will only have ourselves to give. This is why sacrifice is a greater indicator of eternal worth. Because our heart goes on, our money doesn't. So what will we give with empty hands? Will we give with empty hands? With no promises of payment, no guarantees of gifts back, will we still give it all if we knew we would never be thanked, blessed, paid, have money left over, expenses? You know, it's, this is like a, a great time to bring up some of our, our pastoral staff here that, uh, that serve. Um, they, they serve and they give to the children, to the students, to the different ministries of the church for nothing. 
I don't know if you knew that, but um, they just do it. They give, they, you know, some work full-time jobs or part-time jobs, and then they, they do this another many, many, many hours a week just because they love and because they're called and with no expectation of anything in return. It's amazing. See, what we give and what we get is not about the amount. It's actually the amount is irrelevant to God. But what is relevant to God? The sacrifice, the trust, the faith. So why doesn't God look at the amount then when we give? Because he doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. Why doesn't he want your money? Because he doesn't need it. <laughs> if, you, if you walked up to me right now, I have water right here. Okay, just pass me my water for a second. Okay, so I have this water that I filled for myself. Because sometimes I get thirsty when I speak. And if you walked up to me while I'm drinking my own water, and you said, hey, Renee, would you like some water? <laughs> I'd be like, I think I'm good. <laughs> I, I think, like, I, I, I have water already. Um, I don't think I need more water. But do I love the fact that you're offering me water? Yeah, I love the fact that you're offering me water because of the heart that's behind the gift. You know, and it wouldn't matter at that point if you were bringing me this huge, big glass of water or a tiny bit of water. I have water, so it doesn't matter the amount. It's the heart to give that would bless me. See, this is God. He doesn't need your money because he has money. <laughs> he has it all. Your money doesn't grow the kingdom. Your sacrifice does. So when you give, you aren't funding the kingdom as much as you are unlocking principles through sacrifice that release resources that otherwise wouldn't be released that in turn extend and grow and further the church and the earth are you hearing me it's not about your money it's about your heart if the church solely rests on dollars and cents if that was the the answer to growing the church then we could just grow it just like that we can find money Money's not hard to find. You know what is? Heart. We can expand the church in a moment. We just find the money, we do it. But because it rests on heart, because it rests on unity, because it rests on love, because it rests on sacrifice and faith and trust, that's where we struggle. <laughs> if we have a lot of money, is giving easier? Maybe if you give a little bit. But if you have comparable sacrifice, then no. So is our amount greater than our sacrifice? Are we giving enough to make it hard? I, um, I'm going to have Craig and, and Faith just stand up on the stage for a second. I'm going to grab my Bible here. Yeah, just on either side of me is fine. And um, I have money. Money, money. Here, why don't you count that and tell me how much you have? You can count that. <laughs> it's a math lesson. Face <laughs> like, I've done enough math this week. How much do you have? I have 
How much do you have, Faith? Eleven. <laughs> you have 45. <laughs> okay, there's supposed to be 10, but maybe it's 11. Maybe God multiplied it. That wouldn't be the first time we had Miracle Bible Money. Ask me about that story later. Okay, so I'm going to ask you both uh, to give me $5. So who gave me more? See, it depends on what we're counting. Dollars or sacrifice. You guys can go sit down. He stole my money. Can we commit to increasing our sacrifice? Whether you have 10 or 11 dollars. <laughs> 45, 50, 60, 100 dollars. Can we commit to increasing our sacrifice? Because the reality is I could be up here and I could beg for you to increase your giving and give to the Lord and the kingdom of God and he deserves it and it's all his anyway. And up your offerings and tithe and give extra for ministry events. And but adding a few dollars from your bank account to this one or a few hundred dollars at a one-time gift isn't impacting anything. And it's really not what God wants. Because God doesn't need your money and neither does his church. But what if instead of us agreeing to give, we're just going to give a specific amount more. We make a covenant with God to live and give sacrificially more. I don't know what that means for you, but to live and give generously. What does that mean for me? I have to ask myself that. To trust more, to listen more. God, what should I do and what should I give? And in turn, do that. Like Craig already said this morning, we complicate things, but it's really not complicated. It's easy. You know the difference is when we up our sacrifice instead of just our giving, we still end up giving more. <laughs> There's still more money going in for the kingdom of God, but it doesn't feel manipulated anymore. And it doesn't feel ritualistic anymore. And it doesn't feel guilted anymore because truly my heart changed before my amount did. Josiah, our son who's in Reading at Bethel School of Ministry, um, last week, he was, he was telling us that God spoke to him. And they were, he were in a service, and they said, let God speak to you. God's going to ask you uh, to do something, and, and just it's going to be individual for everyone. So just hear what he has to say and do that. So Josiah is telling us the story of, of, of what happened to him in the service. And he said that God spoke to him and said, I'm asking you to yield your finances. He's like, yield my finances? What does that mean? And he said, God said exactly what I said, yield your finances. <laughs> and he said, okay, um, I'm, not, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure what that means, but I, I think I'll just, just trust you more with my finances. Yes, trust me more with your finances. So he goes home. This is kind of a silly story. It's a silly story, but this is, this is how God works in, in our lives to meet us where we are. And his roommate 
says to him, Josiah, do you want to go to Panda Express? And Josiah says, yes, immediately. I want to go to Panda Express. He says, that sounds so good right now, like chow mein, like that sounds so good. And so he, he goes, uh, he's getting ready to go, and then suddenly he's like, oh, no, maybe I shouldn't go. Maybe I shouldn't spend the money. Right? So he's like, God, should I, should I go to Panda Express? He's telling us this story. It's absolutely hilarious to hear him. His, his conversation with God in his head as he's telling us out loud. He's like, God, should I go? And God said, yes, go to Panda Express. He's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Panda Express. So he goes to Panda Express with his friend. And they're so hungry. He's like, guys, I was so hungry. I was starving. And I, and I never get like more than like a bowl or, or something like that. And, his, and he, he looks at his roommate and he said, I'm going to get the bigger plate because I'm so hungry. And he's like, dude, I'm so hungry too. I'm getting the bigger plate. And he's like, really? I was just kidding. I'm not getting the bigger plate. Like, he's like, I'm getting the bigger plate. I'm so hungry. And so they're talking and Josiah's standing there. He's like, I don't know what I should do. Like, I'm so hungry, but I think I'll just get the bowl because it's cheaper. And then God's like, get the bigger plate. I'm kidding you not. This is his story. I and he's like, I can't get the bigger plate, God. That costs so much money. God's like, get the bigger plate. He's like, okay, I'm going to get the bigger plate. So he steps up, and he orders the bigger plate. And um, so he gets it, and they both get the bigger plate, and they're sitting down, and they eat it in like two seconds, right, because they're like 19 and starving, you know. And and um, just he's like, I almost finished it, but I had like a little box left. And he's like, but his, his friend Isaiah, he like finished the whole thing. He's like so hungry. And then he, he, goes, he goes home the next day. He's driving people around to school. He has a car not everyone does, as you know, in college. So he gives people rides, and they start offering him money. They start giving him money. And, and it, at first it was just like $1 or $2. They're not going that far. <laughs> so $1 or $2 is completely acceptable to help him with gas, you know. And then someone's like, Josiah, I know it's not much, but I just really want to help you with gas, and gives him a $10 bill. And he's like, not much. That's a lot, you know. And the next day, the exact same thing happened. Someone gave him another $10 bill. And God said, Josiah, just yield your finances. I promise you, your money will not run out. And see, the thing is with that, and maybe, maybe that wouldn't be your struggle. Maybe it would. I don't know. But Josiah's always been so good with his money, and he thinks about everything. So he is going to think, should I go to Panda or should I not? He is going to think, should I get the bowl or the bigger plate? Because he's always... But God is testing his trust in him with those little silly thing like a bigger plate or a bowl and that your money will not run out and I will provide your every need. God will provide for us, family. He will provide for you. If you, if you feel like you need up your giving or up your sacrifice and things like that, he's got you. We may have empty hands, but we can have a big sacrifice. Why don't you stand with me as we close? If that's you and you're like, you know what? I just really want to be challenged in my sacrifice. I want to step out because I know that God has me and I know there's more for me. I want to give everything. Why don't you just raise your hands to heaven as I pray over you today? Father, I just thank you for my family here. I thank you for my friends. I thank you for each one that has a desire to give, to give generously, to be open-handed, and to give back to you. It's all yours anyway. And we just give it back into your hands. And I pray that as they do, they will trust more. They will love more. They will uh, be blessed more according to your will, 
according to your goodness in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, family. Thank you.